G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. According to Proverbs, wisdom comes from God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. So is biblical wisdom to be embraced wholeheartedly? Or can we afford to pick and choose? Is the wisdom of God a guarantee that you'll be able to find success and happiness in your life? And what might we do with wisdom and foolishness in relation to Christ? Let me read you a little bit of a passage from the Scriptures out of 1 Corinthians. So you might need to listen carefully. I've just got a little bit of Scripture here and don't often put these sorts of things in an introduction to a conversation. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Verses 18 through 22, Paul writes, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will thwart. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. And then it goes on, something a little more sort of first century, For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, and we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Well, we're going to be talking wisdom and foolishness today with Christian psychiatrist Dr. John Warlow, who's back with us. John's written a number of books, one of those called The Cure for Life, in fact, part two is The Cure for Life 2. One is on centered, a God-centered transformation. The other one about God-centered relationships. Uh, John Warlow, a special welcome back to 2020. Neil, great to be here for such a fantastic topic. And you know what? It's, it's April Fool's Day. So there is a certain sense in which a topic talking wisdom and foolishness, this is a great time to be talking about this because lots of people are being caught out with all sorts of special uh, you know, tricks and uh, and charades, as uh, as you tried to do this morning with me, uh, with some suggestion that you might not actually be in on time. Was that me, Neil? Surely not. <laughs> anyway, uh, for listeners, uh, there was a uh, there was a, a, a fright that was sent through the program that maybe John Warlow wasn't coming to uh, be part of the program today. But uh, then, who should appear at the door? That the trickster, the prankster himself. John, welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Great to be with you and good to have some fun too. And there is that light-hearted aspect of April Fool's Day. I'm trying to think of who else to text and not sure what to say. Um, but there's also a serious side to it, which I'm really pleased we're going to be talking about today. You can get away with a lot as long as you've got some sort of a time stamp on whatever you send, uh, because otherwise it can come back and bite you. 
I'm sure it can, especially <laughs> if it's after midday. Yes. Yeah. I've done some programs on April Fool's Day in the past. Uh, the idea that the fool says in his heart there is no God. Uh, somebody suggested that perhaps April Fool's Day ought to be a tribute day for atheists <laughs> because, uh, you know, the fool says in his heart there is no God. Well, you are the April Fool if you say there is no God. I think that is actually the core of what I would really hope the main message from today will be, is that true wisdom comes from God. And just like you were reading out before, that actually it's what might seem incredibly foolish, like Jesus dying on the cross. I mean, if I was God, I think I would try a different way from actually sorting things out. But thankfully, I'm not God. But it's actually in 1 Corinthians 1 that the foolishness of man, the, the, um, sorry, the, the foolishness of God is so much greater than even the wisdom of man. And the critical issue is that the wisdom of God um, in, in his wisdom to actually bring Christ crucified is going to be that we'll find out the core essential way of actually getting wisdom for our everyday life. I think the uh, the idea of this sounds foolish is like a first impression idea uh, because you immediately think, oh, Christ crucified. Well, you know, for us who've been, you know, Christians for a long time, uh, we've come to appreciate that once you get a little bit deeper below the surface and start to dig into some of the wisdom that is behind the crucifixion and resurrection, uh, but uh, the first impression for people sometimes is the idea that, what are you talking about? Uh, somebody dying on a wooden cross 2,000 years ago? Uh, that sounds like you know, well, what could that possibly have in wisdom for today in the 21st century? So it's this first impression thing. But once you start to get below the surface, the wisdom of God comes through in appreciating the crucifixion and the resurrection. I think so, Neil. And I hope today that we'll get beneath the surface today so that people will be able to apply that wisdom, the meaning of the cross in their own lives, whether they're Christian or not. And, of course, uh, when we talk about the cross, we might be talking about the wisdom of God for salvation, but then applying that into day-to-day -day life and getting the wisdom of God for the circumstances that we're in because some people are overwhelmed with the burdens of raising their children, uh, their family, their workplace is toxic. All sorts of things are going wrong around them and uh, looking for the wisdom of God in the sorts of decisions that they make. And so... Coupling that, connecting that to the wisdom of God as he has brought salvation. Is it an easy thing to connect all of these dots? It can really be easy, Neil, where people can actually come there, as it were, to the foot of the cross and there find right in the heart of their being a God who's not only in us, but with us. And that God within is the core foundation for wisdom. Remember, Jesus talked about the two people who were building a building. Uh, one was on a rock and the other was on sand. And the one with sand fell over, the one on the rock kept uh, stayed there. And what Jesus was saying is that the foolish man built his house on the sand. The wise man built his house on the rock. And there at the cross is the place where we can come even when we hit rock bottom 
as it were. We can come there to the foot of the cross, to the presence of Jesus, and that is the first step of many steps to make to a wise decision. And, of course, in both of those scenarios, John, uh, where you've got the wise man building his house on the rock, the foolish man building his house on the sand, the flood waters rose for both, both the Christian and the non-Christian. But it was the Christian who was able to withstand the rise of the flood waters. This is this sort of strength of character that comes from your identity in Christ. And I suspect that this strength of character that is born in your identity in Christ helps you in the application of wisdom into all of the circumstances that you have. That's the core essential of actually making any decisions. And particularly when we're actually struggling under the water, when the water levels do rise and we start to sink, there's a wonderful, secure place where we can go to, and that's to the cross, to Jesus, the one who died on the cross. Well, I want to invite listeners to participate in the conversation today, and you can help direct where this conversation goes, because you might be thinking, uh, well, Dr. John Warlow He's a psychiatrist, and uh, what does he know about uh, my family situation? What does he know about the toxic environment uh, that uh, you know I hear from my husband or from my wife when we have that little time of conversation about what went on in the day and uh, we realise that we're under a real big weight of pressure when our teenagers are rebelling, uh, where there are challenges that are coming from left, right and centre how do we apply the wisdom of God? So uh, undoubtedly, there might be some who will call in and say, you know, I'm in trouble here. Uh, what does a psychiatrist, what has a Christian psychiatrist got to lend some wisdom into this conversation? Because when we talk about the wisdom of God, John, uh, we're talking about gleaning that wisdom, I guess, from the Bible. But there's also, I guess, those who surround surround us, and perhaps we talk church church life. You've got people who are uh, in a pastoral uh, oversight type of a role that, that are there to help you to appreciate and understand the wisdom of God. Who we have around us is critical for us to be able to experience God's wisdom, and that includes not just family and friends, but particularly, have we got one other follower of Jesus who we can partner with through life where we can actually get on together as friends, but where we can re-speak the truth in love? Then being in a small group in a church can also be a place of discipleship, of transformation, and indeed going to our big weekend church can be a place again where we can actually receive wisdom at all times, keeping that contact with God going. What about the issues here, John, uh, of a life flourishing under God's wisdom and a life deteriorating under the wisdom of this world or your own self-sufficiency, your selfish wisdom? Uh, is there a guarantee or is this a like a rule of thumb that uh, when you get the wisdom right, uh, God's blessing does follow? A lot of people think that. And in fact, one of the five shapes I draw is the shape of the square, which has, in essence, two columns. The left-hand column being self-centeredness and the right-hand column being God-centeredness. And as you go higher up the square, then the more flourishing you are. As you go lower 
in the square, it's like you pass beneath that water level and start to drown and struggle. And a lot of people think that if I come to Jesus, it'll all be sweet. I will rise up, and if I forsake Jesus, then I'm going to have problems. In fact, if I'm having problems, it's because I'm sinning in my life. And those are not true. Job is a classic example who was someone well beneath the water level, struggling incredibly in all of his life, financially, with his family, with his health, and so on. But he was not uh, sinning. He was actually the one God said is someone after his own heart, someone who's really seeking to be God-centered. And there's a real danger of prosperity teaching that if we come to God, we'll do well. However, there is a general rule that God is a good God, and he wants to lift us up. And if we are God-centered, then we are going to have wisdom, which is generally often going to take us up in into a better places, not just as individuals, but as families, as countries. And one reason why I think Australia and other countries are going well is because they're embedded on the rock of um, the the rock of uh, um, sorry, just spilled some water. <laughs> uh, they're embedded on the rock of Christendom, which actually allows um, uh, things to really move in the right direction. So there is a general rule there, but um, not always. Well, very shortly, we'll open our talk back lines. Take a short break for a moment and uh, we'll continue. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. Back with more with Dr. John Warlow in just a short while. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Great to have you along with us on this Monday edition of 2020 and our special guest in the studio is Christian psychiatrist Dr. John Warlow. And interesting that uh, it is uh, April Fool's Day and uh, John did mention just before the break that he'd spilled some water. So uh, we just had the incident uh, where we have Mandy is in the studio. Welcome, Mandy, uh, who's just uh, helping to uh, clean up the water from John's water bottle. But as I went to one of our technicians while the ad break was on, I said, hey, we've got an emergency in the studio. And, of course, they said, uh, is this an April Fool's joke? And uh, no, it wasn't. But it's not really an emergency. We've been we've had our fears allayed. And when you spill water onto a radio uh, desk console area like this you can actually run into some problems but anyway we are we are safe and we are now tidied up <laughs> and uh, we're talking wisdom and foolishness so was that a wise thing to not put the lid back on the bottle there john it was not wise um, i should have done that <laughs> let me ask you john when we look at the book of proverbs what we have here is uh, in amongst, and of course, you know, in the Bible, uh, we're actually familiar with the idea that there is wisdom literature, and it's all grouped uh, books of the Bible and under this title of wisdom literature, and it does have the accumulated wisdom uh, from the Old Testament. One of those books, of course, is the book of Proverbs. And in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs is described as uh, where wisdom is described as a woman. Any thoughts on on the sort of uh, the gender specific uh, way that wisdom is called a woman? It's interesting there because uh, Solomon, who wrote Proverbs, and when he was being commissioned as king of Israel, prayed for wisdom, and he was the one who 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 wrote the Proverbs and brings up two women. 
One is the immoral woman, and the other is the wise woman. And it's interesting that Solomon talked about the immoral woman because that was actually the reason for his downfall was that throughout his reign, he actually got caught up by a whole lot of women who were not following after God. And that indeed is one of the things which can really derail us is where we have a close relationship with someone who is not a follower of Jesus. The other woman is the wise woman who actually says, stay away from evil, stay away from bad, and actually be godly. And that's the critical difference. So he starts the Proverbs with this verse, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And that's so true. Something, if we have that fear of God, if we stay close to Jesus, then that is the first place from which we can actually then move on and actually become clear regarding what decisions do we need to make in a particular situation, whether we're going well or whether we are really struggling in our family, at work, or personally. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, And I know some people who read a chapter of the book of Proverbs every day, and they go through this cyclical thing, because the interesting thing with Proverbs is there are 31 chapters. So every day of the month, you can read a Proverbs chapter, and for people who do that, somehow or other, the wisdom that comes through Proverbs becomes a part of them. This sort of repetition, uh, the way that uh, our mind is shaped. You're an expert on the mind. Is it a good thing if you were going to, you know, if you're seeking God's wisdom, uh, that's a, is that a good place to start? It is a good place to start. And in fact, Jill, my, my wife and myself, we do that. And she particularly likes when there's 31 days in a month because Proverbs 31 is all about a noble woman and one of the women in in Proverbs. And what we put into our mind is a really important part of actually having a wise life. Critical to wisdom is that we actually don't have a conflict of interest, a conflict of interest being where particularly where we want to live a self-centered life compared to a God-centered life. That's the core of it. If we actually have that conflict of interest in life where, hey, I want to live a self-centered life, we know that we're going to go down the wrong way. And one way of actually filling our minds with God-centered stuff is to actually have that routine in Proverbs of uh, each day, what's today? The The first. The first, of course it is. (laughs) Proverbs 1, and I was actually looking at that earlier on, reading that today. And it's interesting, isn't it, that while we're talking about wisdom and foolishness today, and you share that you and your wife do this process of reading Proverbs uh, each day, then you're both on the same page. You've both read the same wisdom. And so when you've got uh, the idea of God-centeredness, self-centeredness, an important thing for anyone who's in relationship to have a sense of being on the same page together. And God actually provides that capacity where we can actually have God as the link between myself and Jill, between a couple, between friends, and even in a business, that he can actually bring differences together where from that a greater degree of wisdom can be brought to bear on a particular issue. And when God is at the center, and sometimes people do that sort of diagram with a triangle or uh, you know a three-legged stool so that you've got stability, those sorts of things, having God in your relationship uh, provides that opportunity to be stable because if you're leaving God out, 
uh, you just have two people pulling in different directions. So, so the one of the recipes I imagine for successful marriage relationships, which is demonstrated in churches everywhere, is that people are on the same page, worshiping the same God, and looking at the same wisdom together. It's really interesting, Neil, because I think the stats are that Christians divorce as much as non-Christians. However, I think if you dig dig a bit deeper, you'd actually find that people who have an active, committed relationship with God, that that's going to become a third chord in that relationship, one's wife, one's husband, and God. And that makes such a difference to the stability of that marriage. It is so basic, but having God as part of the relationship, if we do that, then wisdom is going to be uh, be really increased. And, you know, I've heard it is a popular modern myth that Christians divorce as much as those who are outside of the church because uh, there is some good research, and you can Google this from home, uh, to find some articles about how that actually works. And sometimes uh, it's just not the case when people say that Christians within the church divorce at the same rate as those outside because those who are within the church are in fact being shaped in a different way. And when they are shaped on the same page together, there's a strengthening of the bond of their relationship. I think so, and particularly as not just being within the church, but as we actually stay close to being in Christ, and this is where the the wisdom of the cross comes in, as we stay close to him, even when we're struggling or failing, that that's when we can arise up and be God-centered in our relationships as opposed to self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is going to be de- destroying anything. Well, I want to invite you to join in our conversation today. And as we've laid something of a foundation, wisdom and foolishness, uh, the conversation today, uh, you might like to join in. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. We're going to take a break for Vision National News and we're back to talk some more. The best is yet to come when we talk about wisdom and foolishness. John, why don't we take a call or two? Uh, great to hear from listeners like Helen, who's calling from Border Town in South Australia. Hello, Helen. Welcome along. Good morning. How are you? Very well. Helen, what are your thoughts for our conversation today? Yes, well, I just wanted to mention that um, I loved uh, the focus on all relationships um, beginning their day together with Proverbs. And um, I recall a time when Proverbs guided my walk when I returned from the UK after doing midwifery and found the practice in South Australia very different and um, started to fall into a a bit of a depression. And I had the joy of working on Kangaroo Island for a couple of months and um, Proverbs, um, yeah, guided my days while I was there. And, uh, yeah, it was really, really helpful. Wonderful. Your thoughts, John Warlow? Thanks, Helen. And I think in times of change, that can really bring up Uh, a lot of issues for us and it sounds like having that guide of proverbs really allowed you to have uh, a path on which to travel which actually uh, made it a lot smoother that transition in the context of your change of midwifery from the UK to Australia and I think what's really good about proverbs as well is not just it's giving quite pithy little statements, but also it really is about godliness as well, and that's the undergirding aspect of wisdom. 
Helen, while I've got you, something you mentioned as you were sharing your story is that you were drifting into uh, even a state of depression and Mm. uh, you found that Proverbs was helpful in stabilising that. Uh, John, you're the psychiatrist. Uh, Is there a sense in which if you have a foundation that you can come to like this, you can be preserved from some levels of drifting into areas of depression? Absolutely, and I think what's lovely about what Helen said is that at that time, Helen, you noticed that you were becoming depressed. Now, our mood is actually a window into our heart, and so my guess is that you might have been feeling a bit less in control of things compared to where you were, and also a little bit less certain. And in fact, even that uh, lack of certainty can actually get right to our heart in terms of, well, who am I anyway, and where am I going? Those issues Mm. of purpose and direction. So the first step to wisdom is prayer, is accessing the presence of God. Pretty well, the second one is having that clear purpose and then the third one is actually having that power and my guess is Helen but I'd be interested in your comments that in your reading Proverbs it centered you on God and his wisdom it gave you clarity and it gave you strength and certainty and confidence where to go and my guess is that that could have had also an impact on your mood as you lived inside out from God right then through your heart to your mood and then out in your actions as you did midwifery there in South in in Australia. Helen, was yes. that the case? Yes, yeah, definitely. And um, I would um, encourage people to um, persevere, as we say, to persevere. Rinsons wins the race. Um, but uh, yeah, I had a minister at the time that they were doing lots of memory verses at church and psalms were encouraged. And I just found that didn't really um, help at the time. But um, at least I had a good friend who um, guided me some more. So that um, godly wisdom from uh, someone else to say, you know, God has not left me or um, forsaken me. And, you know, no matter how I struggle, um, he is he's holding me so um that guide to proverbs was was very helpful at the time so helen from border town in south australia thank you so much for calling in a great input there oh john's got one more thing to say helen i mean that's just fantastic god had not left me and i think the power of and the wisdom of the cross is it just allows us to keep on coming back again and again and again to, to to himself and that then as we know that he's not left me we can have the clarity of his word and then the confidence and strength which that brings which then particularly as we have people around you you mentioned a friend <laughs> let's not miss that one um yeah. god-centered friend who yeah. um then helped you help see see you through that time just a wonderful story there helen thank you yeah. helen yeah. thank you so much for your call 1-800-316-316 to join our talkback conversation we're talking wisdom and foolishness let's take another call bobby is in cedar grove in queensland hello bobby welcome along yeah mate how are you doing bobby um, listen to you guys Great. What are I your just, thoughts? I um, got connected with um, with your radio station through the app. Great. Um, through a, a, a good friend um, by the name of Lee. He yep. lives down in New South Wales and he's struggling in his in his marriage at the moment. But I'd also like to mention that um, being April the 1st, 
and you're talking about marriage and wisdom and and the benefits of having a relationship with Jesus, um, my wife is um, born on the 1st of April. So was, um, yep. it, it's um, a blessing to hear what you guys are saying on her birthday. <laughs> well, uh, what's your wife's name? Heather. Heather. Well, uh, if Heather's listening in, Heather, a special happy birthday to you, an April Fool's Day baby, but uh, no doubt this is a conversation you're especially interested in. Uh, John, what are your thoughts for Bobby? Bobby, just fantastic. Great to hear from you. And you're talking about relationships. You're saying that uh, you're connected here with a radio station. You have a friend in a different state, and you, you've got your wife who was uh, born on April Fool's Day. What a wonderful day to be born. What the wisdom of God there and the presence of God together. Who you have around you is one of the biggest and most important things in terms of wisdom. Thank you for ringing. Definitely. Uh, Bobby, yeah. you did mention uh, you have a friend in New South Wales uh, not going through such a great time right now and uh, so uh, let me just say for your friend Lee in New South Wales uh, you're in our prayers right now. In fact, why don't we even pause for a moment and pray for Lee and John, you might like to lead us here and we don't know all of Lee's circumstances but what if uh, you lead us in a short prayer? Lord, thank you that you know Lee and that you love him. Thank you that Bobby is in his life. Thank you for this radio station. Thank you most of all for Jesus who allows us to keep on coming back to you. We pray for Lee right now that he would have that support from Bobby from this station here, from you as well, and that from that place he can actually rise up again in a God-centered way. Let him know your presence as he's struggling right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much to Bobby from Cedar Grove in Queensland. Let's continue to take some calls, shall we? Uh, let's hear from Emmanuel in Mackay in Queensland. Hello, Emmanuel. Welcome along. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. What are your thoughts? Um, well, I'll just uh, uh, I'll reply to your question that you made earlier uh, about whether um, uh, having a successful life in this world is, uh, is, our, is what we strive for. Uh, what God wants us to strive for is to make our goal to get to heaven, to be with Jesus. So if our goal is to have a successful life in this world, that's not necessarily what God wants for us, and we should stay focused on our ultimate goal, and that is to uh, find a home in heaven. John. Thank you so much, Emmanuel, from that lovely place of Mackay, and you're so right. I um, found this thing called Christian Honest Framework, which is a picture language for God-centered change. And one of the diagrams there is this square, which doesn't only go from bottom, where we're rock bottom, uh, under the water level, to up above the water level, where we're going well. That's only one dimension of change. The other and more important dimension of change is going from left to right, from the self-centered column on the left to the God-centered column on the right. And what you say is so true, it's so biblical, and it's so important to learn that it doesn't matter whether we're going well or whether we are struggling. What is really important is how close we are to God, not just till, till we get to heaven, Yes, fantastic, but we don't actually have to wait until then. We can do it right now, pressing into Jesus, whether we're struggling or flourishing. That's the most important 
dimension of change. Thank you, Emmanuel. Emmanuel from Mackay in Queensland. Thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join our conversation, you can also leave a question or a comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Interestingly, and uh, let's uh, let Emmanuel go, but when we're talking about the goal of our life, uh, for some, the goal is to get to heaven. But the words that we'll hear or that we'll hope to hear when we're at that judgment day uh, or at the great white throne uh, is going to be those words, John, well done, good and faithful servant. So when we talk about a goal in getting to heaven, really isn't our goal much more uh, here and now insofar as we are servants of God and that we are pursuing him and his mission, what he's doing on the earth today, so that when we do actually stand before him and we hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, we've known we've been serving in the right place. Every day in that regard, so that what we do today is aligned, it's in the same direction as well done, good and faithful servant, that we are in that direction of God-centeredness, whether it's with our family at church, at work, regardless of whether we're going well or whether we're struggling. We're actually heading in that direction of God-centeredness, of progressive sanctification is the theological term. And we can do that because of the cross, the, the wisdom of God, and which other people might see as foolish, is so much wiser because there at the cross we can actually receive his unfailing love. We can receive his forgiveness and also his freedom so that we can actually be God-centered rather than self-centered in that direction of well done, good and faithful servant. You know, when we talk about the person who is a servant, uh, sometimes that sounds like a, you know, a doing the menial tasks and, uh, you know, I'm the, the one who's getting walked over or whatever, the doormat. Uh, of course, it's not to do with that at all, is it? Uh, when we talk about this idea of servanthood and even relating it back to the idea of uh, the wise man builds his house on the rock, uh, not the foolish man who's uh, self-centered and doing his own thing, building his house on the sand, there's a certain sense in which we could make a, <clears throat> pardon me, a self-assessment about our own gifts that we have and the way we use those in the way we serve God. What are your thoughts for actually being the wise person and and participating in this idea of serving God with your gift? I think servant leadership is such a pivotal uh, approach and model. In fact, Jesus was our model role model in that to follow if we're going into leadership. The leader who actually is successful is the one who serves. And the one who serves is the one who actually is not self-centered. But we're so much more free to be a servant of others if we can be God-centered, uh, like the person who builds his rock, his his builds his house, his business, whatever, on that rock of Jesus. And when Jesus was demonstrating his ultimate servanthood, uh, we might recall it was at the Last Supper, and 
he decided that he would wash the feet of his disciples. Now, he didn't wash everybody's feet uh, who had come across everywhere, but these were the people who were closest to him. Uh, These ones that you're saying, doing this journey together, uh, the way that we might be open to serving the needs of those who are closest to us, uh, that, I guess, is probably is as Jesus designed it, to be contagious, that we'll actually uh, receive his servanthood to ourselves and then we'll go and be servants to others. And Jesus himself said at the end of washing the feet of the disciples, I have washed your feet, you know now go and do the same. And as we come to Jesus, the one who actually washes our feet, makes us clean on a daily basis. We don't have to be totally washed like Peter was wanting to be washed. We have been born again. We have been cleansed. But, hey, we our feet get dirty every day. And as we receive that cleansing and that connection with Jesus and follow his example, we can then be servant leaders in our family, at school, at work, in our church, we can then, in whatever gifting God has given us, be a servant leader. And in that, there is so much wisdom. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Jonathan in Perth, in WA. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome along. Yes, welcome, Neil. Good to hear from you. Jonathan, what are your yeah, thoughts? It, yeah, the whole thing is that I'm looking at this because Jesus said that... Uh, he called us, he said, I'm going to prepare in John 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go, I'll come by and receive you unto myself, that when I end, you will be. So the first priority is to be born again, after we are born again. Then the second thing is to be in Christ, and that we live in Christ for the rest of our life. Went to heaven is our third priority, because Christ said, when I end, there you will be. But some people visit the mark, they want to be heavenly mind there, but they don't want to live a holy life. There's a contradiction. Better be in Christ and do what God wants us to do. Heaven is the third area because where he is, there will be. So I think that our Christianity is to work with Christ. Jonathan, great thoughts in all of that. Uh, Let's come to John for some thoughts on, uh, you know, we're born again uh, then in Christ. Jonathan, thank you so totally much because Paul, one of his commonest phrases was being in Christ and Christ in us. Jesus said uh, that uh, the re- that what he came to do was to allow people to be born again, remember the talk with Nicodemus, and also to enter into the new kingdom. When we are in Christ, one of the things which can really happen to us is not only us receiving forgiveness, but us receiving freedom. In Romans 6, it talks about actually when we are born again and we get a birth certificate, we actually die to sin and get a death certificate. So when someone comes to Christ for the first time, hey, guys, here you are. You've got two certificates, a death certificate and a birth certificate. What freedom is there? Because now we can actually, as you said there, Jonathan, live a holy life, a life of obedience, and uh, which is so important and so undergirds a wise life. Thank you so much for that. those comments. Thank you to Jonathan from Perth in WA. Just to dwell on this just for a little longer, uh, death to self, alive to Christ. 
when we're talking about the wise man building his house upon the rock, the foolish man builds his house on the sand, is this a case, do you think, when you apply that to the Christian life of trying to live a contradiction somehow as, you know, I've got, uh, I've got this birth certificate, but I want to hold on to the, to the things that are supposed to be dead, and I'm just holding on to those things of the past. I haven't actually come to a point of maturity and understanding the wisdom and things to let go. What are your thoughts on that sort of thing, John? So uh, important, Neil. There are four selves, and only one of them has to die. The other three selves actually have to grow in a God-centered way. Okay, now this is getting complicated, so uh, take us through this a little bit slowly. Uh, So one part of the self dies... One part of the self dies, whether we know it or not, believe it or not, or live it out or not. And that's Romans 6, that our self-centeredness is dead. When we become a Christian, it says that we are crucified with Christ. But the reason why we so often don't live that is, firstly, as it says in Romans 6, verse 6, we don't know it. We don't know the fact of our being dead crucified with Christ. Second reason why we don't live a crucified life is we don't believe it. We tend to believe much more our experience, which is say, hey, hang on a moment. I'm not dead. My selfish nature is totally alive. And and then that makes us doubt what, uh, what it says in the Bible. The third thing is not only not knowing it or believing it, that we don't actually live that out. But we can actually live a crucified life, which is death to self-centeredness. But there's three other selves which are actually meant to be growing in a God-centered way. And I guess we could get into all sorts of depth here, and uh, not only along the lines of uh, washing of the feet daily, uh, but also coming around this recognition of the power of the cross And uh, for so many listeners, you'll be a part of a local church and you have a communion celebration uh, each week and uh, you remember the body and the blood of Jesus. This is a little bit of part of this sort of idea of uh, the washing uh, and, of course, you can have washing in the word as well, those sorts of things about just keeping things on the right path, uh, an important part of not allowing that old self to try and come back and overtake you. As we stay in his unfailing love, as we receive his forgiveness on a daily and moment-by-moment basis, we can then enter into his freedom just for that moment, just for today, just for now, for whatever's coming up in your life, uh, to live a God-centered way rather than a self-centered way, which we demonstrate in the square to live on the right-hand side of the square in the Cure for Life book rather than on the left-hand side, God-centered compared to self-centered. We've mentioned the Cure for Life books and uh, a couple of times through our conversation, part one and part two. The first part is about God-centered transformation. The second is God-centered relationships. And I know that there is a third one in the pipeline and it won't be too long away. But uh, where's the best place for people to get a hold of your books, John? Maybe from Kurong, you can get them there. Just Google Cure for Life and John Wallow if you want to, or Amazon. I do have a website as well where you can get it from, from that. And it's John Wallow. If you just Google that, I should hopefully come up somewhere. 
Okay, so uh, you can get it uh, good Christian bookstores, Kurong Books, of course uh, Amazon, or simply Google John Warlow, and you'll be able to get a hold of John's books, The Cure for Life, and filled with the sorts of wisdom that we've been hearing over this past hour. And I can tell you this is just wonderful having John in the studio. Uh, John, really appreciate you taking some time to come in and uh, to share your thoughts, to share your heart with listeners. Uh, I mean, it uh, extends your practice uh, well and truly when you get a chance to talk to people all over the nation. And uh, But just really appreciate your your uh, your love, your compassion, uh, all those wonderful things. Thanks for being with us again today on 2020. Such a privilege partnering with you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.